So Mark, uh, so here we are. This is this is take me for a ride. That's what this is. Yes. This is take me for a ride. This is this is the first moment I would say of take me for a ride. Um, okay, so let me ask you a question then. If we were in the same room, then which room was it? Was it the blue room with the gefilte fish and Mrs. Higgins? You don't have to answer that because the microphones are rolling and, you know, there's a legal team that, that parses through this. All right, you speak. All right, that's uh, enough. When do we start having fun? Chapter one. Amazing um, interview on Bill Maher. Yeah. Uh, Do you ever watch Bill Maher? Yeah. He had on uh, Thomas Chatterton and Barry Weiss, and he had, you may have heard, Thomas Chatterton is the one who led the charge on that letter that was written to Har- from Harper's and like 150 people signed it just mm. about um, a, a climate of fear about expression on the left um, you know like the kind of extreme left basically policing what everyone says on the left and a climate of purity of trying to be as pure as you possibly can uh, in terms of how you think, and if you say anything off of the, what would you call it? You know, because she, uh, Barry Weiss explained, uh, polit- politics now is becoming like everyone's religion. So if you veer off of the orthodoxy, you get slaughtered. <laughs> and so he was, he was. They were talking about that. It was very interesting, you know, uh, very interesting to hear that. And that's just the left, you know. That's not even looking, uh, you know. But she, Barry Weiss said uh, she's uh, a fear of like the center is just dropped out. That the mod- the moderates or things in the middle has just like evaporated. Uh, so very very interesting. Very and the, interesting are you're stuff. saying the fear of the center has dropped out, so that no, the, no, no. Well, the, or the center has dropped out. The center has dropped out. I see. And and only like the extreme views on both sides are are tolerated. Oh, yeah. What's so what what I think cancel culture um, exists partly because of the well, largely because of the internet, because there's this like digital dome where you speak something or you do something and it gets captured on video or audio and then it's always there and and the and I don't the press or whoever anyone who's the press anyone or any social media can keep referring back to it and keep seeing it and keep and that becomes your identity that everyone can always see that moment where you did something bad or that people and um it never goes away you know and um that that's whereas like in a relationship you have these things and it's between you and this person and that kind of dissipates over time or maybe it doesn't we couldn't but but in this case it, it did for you you know you had you know some time passed and you know that's kind of the natural that's mm. potentially the natural progression of things here i am even like in my speaking i'm like careful with how i say things i realize you know if someone listens to me and say oh wait he said that this is the way it is i'm like you know people it's it's the exploring of ideas is a very wonderful human thing that we do 
And I'm not taking a stand on all of these things. I'm not up in front of a crowd saying, this is the way it is. I'm, you know, and, and I think a lot of people are trying to do that. They're trying to just like examine things and think about things and without taking a stand on everything, but just saying like, oh, this is, a, you know, this is an interesting thing to think about. And this is an interesting thing to think about. And um, uh, so, but, but mm. people feel it's hard to do that. It's hard to be philosophical because mm. anything you say, especially if it's captured on, you know, like, like back to the comedians, if you're, if you say something and it's captured on stage and you're just more exploring, it's like, what, how will people react if I say this? How will people react if I say this? Mm. What, what does this feel like? And then mm. you, 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 it's captured and it's like, oh, he said this. Okay. Cancel him. He's done. And it's like, what? And of course, Eric, these days it's with, with video editing and audio editing software. It's so easy to take someone out of context and then cancel them for something that should not be canceled. But if I could just give an example of you may. what I feel you're saying uh, or you're discussing or you're bringing up. A few hours ago, I was interviewed um, for my third book uh, because we were talking about white nationalism and white supremacy and creating walls and the other and hating and creating fear in uh, tens or hundreds of whatever, millions of people. Um, and what that means, and Ian turned to me and he said, if you had an opportunity to reach out to Donald Trump, and put aside all the concerns I have with him being the leader of the, of the free world, and all my concerns about how he's stepping on the checks and balances, the rule of law, and women's rights and the environment and screwing up all the agencies. I mean, there's, there's such a long list of, yep. of gripes I have. Just put that aside for a minute. It's still there, but just for a minute. Put it aside. And Ian said, if you had a chance to reach out to Donald Trump... And you had, you know, a few hours or a few days, let's say three days. I forget exactly what Ian asked, but something like that. If you had a, a few days to spend with him, to try to open his eyes a bit, to change him, to have him see the world, not necessarily as I see it, but maybe a little bit more in a different worldview. Because he said, it sounds like Trump sees the world very differently uh, than you do. I said, indeed, he seems to. So he said, what would you do? And I thought about it for a second. I didn't have a lot of time to think because I was being interviewed. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you got to, uh, normally, you know, someone asks me something and a few hours later I say, uh, so I couldn't do that. I said to him, this is what I would do. I said, first of all, I would reach out to him and I wouldn't be snitty with him. I said, I don't respect the man, but I respect the office. So I'd say, Mr. President, let's go on an, an excursion. Let's go on an expedition. Let's go on a trek. Let's travel. And I would take him to Indonesia. And I would right. take him to Sulawesi. Nice. To Makassar. Ujin Pandang. 
take him for a ride. <laughs> take the president for a ride. And then I would take him to Chile. And I would take him to Puerto Rico. And he'd say, wow, Mark, and I would this take is him fascinating. To, I would take him to all these places and show him how generous yep. and how beautiful these people are and how important the trees are and the wildlife and the fish and the ecosystems and how how in Indonesia this horrible Muslim country isn't a horrible Muslim country. It's this big, huge country where people are generous and kind and they invite you into your their homes people you don't they don't even know who you are and they invite you into their homes and say do you need food we'll feed you right. they don't have a lot of food but they they offer you food do you need a place to sleep stay in our bedroom i i travel all around the united states no one ever did that to me here right i i would want donald to see these things that I have seen, and to help see him, help him see some of these things a little bit through my eyes. That's not a pure. When I say that, Eric, I'm not speaking as a purist, hippie, left wing Vermonter dude. That in part I am. It's seeing it as exploring an idea that suggests a degree which probably is not there, but it suggests just by talking about it, it opens up an avenue of redemption, forgiveness, growth, learning. Now, unlike Susan Collins, I really don't think he's capable of it. Chapter two. Uh, It's time to talk about a book, and that book is Rising Out of Hatred, um, by Eli, Eli Saslow, am I correct? Is that his name? He's the writer. Correct. correct. Um, and he, you, he writes for the Washington Post. Yeah, and you and I both read that book, and we're both very moved by it. And um, yeah, so this is a story of white supremacy and a, a man. Do you remember his name? Derek Black. Thank you. Yes. Derek Black, uh, who grew up in white supremacy, and uh, uh, but who ultimately saw the error in his ways right and but just uh, at the end of the near the end of the book he's got you have these white supremacists seeing Donald Trump and they're like what like we've been trying to you know and here's this guy he comes along and he's you know got all these people we've been trying to get those ideas out for and it's just like it was it I found it really um the, I mean the whole Trump presidency is has depressed me a lot for many reasons but that to read that to be like oh my gosh yeah he really they were he was like a superstar to 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 people to people that um you know to who who valued those 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 ideas i i think that's right and i think those ideas are essentially quite a bit of white supremacy branded as white nationalism, mm. uh, which is one of the geniuses that the young Derek was bringing to the movement. Uh, he was sort of mapping ideas and trying to make them more mainstream uh, because all that uh, talk was really considered quite fringe. 
and obviously much more than Derek. Derek was doing a fine job of it from from uh, the 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 white nationalist white supremacy point of view. Donald Trump did a far better job in in the sense that um, he moved the line for. I don't know, tens of millions of people or whatever. He he changed the whole dynamic, the whole discussion. He changed what is acceptable right. uh, in terms of uh, speech um, and what you share and how you act in the United States and possibly other, well, not very likely other parts of the world. Um, so uh, that was the dream of of his parents and uh, young Derek's parents and his uncle, his uncle being David Duke, right, for, former or current clans member, I guess former. Um, but Derek went in a different direction, didn't he? He absolutely did. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of amazing, and and was willing to share his story, which I thought all you know. Back to honesty, I thought it was really it was bold, you know, it's very bold to share that and and have a book written about it, and um, it, it's a it's a it's really an amazing amazing read for this it's an, era. It's an amazing read, and what Derek, young Derek experienced is what I was trying to express to Ian when he was asking me about what I would do if I had three days with Donald Trump. Right. And that is, I would, you know, as I said before, I would have him travel. Um, and what Derek does, which opened the door for a transformation, is he traveled. He didn't travel so much to Indonesia or to Chile or to Puerto Rico or anything or to Africa or anything like that. What he did was he traveled in a very human way in that he went to a college where he befriended the other. He befriended the so-called enemy, the dark-skinned people, the Jews, the, uh, the guy from Peru. Um, yeah. He, he he befriended an Orthodox Jewish guy who'd invite him each week to Shabbat dinners. Totally. It was amazing. And, amazing. And exactly. And that that is the transfer and, and the amazing thing is that these people as disgusted as they were, not necessarily with Derek, but with his then beliefs, they kept their hearts open to him as a person. Right. And that that opened the door to Derek's transformation, which is perhaps what's uh, great about a college campus, and what's hard about mon- modern society is that we are in um, we don't have those opportunities as much as we want, right? To interact with people of different thoughts, we can only see them through these through the internet or through and through these kind of cartoonish um, extremist. Uh, sides of thought, right? And so you can't actually get to know people in, you know, shudder, you know? And you know, I think where I live, it's a bit, um, uh, you know, definitely. I mean, I think across the country, but like people are largely uh, associate with people of the same similar political beliefs. 
similar um and you know that's comfortable and i get it but it's hard to you know on a, on a campus like that, that 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 he was um definitely allowed him to have friends of different stripes and shades and views and so it's it, it, it spoke to i think both of us a lot that that book so i guess when i was reading rising out of hatred the the main thing that came to my mind was how the journey into the that movement, call it white nationalism, call it white supremacy, call it whatever you want to call it, it just seemed like a cult. Uh, yeah, that's right. You had, you said that. Like I I hadn't thought about that. Even reading the book, and then when you said that, it's like oh, twas tis like a tis a cult. It's not it like one. It is. Yeah. And and he got his. Uh, if you're inside that group, you get your information from these people and these people and these people, but not anywhere else. And and you just limit a cult. It could be a destructive cult. It doesn't have to be destructive, but in a cult, you get your info. Well, certainly if it's destructive, you don't get outside information. You right. get information that's been filtered by the the cult itself. Right. And, and if you buy into the cult, you buy into those filters. So uh, it was big news to Derek that black people or Jews or, you know, Muslim people could be super nice. Right. Right. Yeah, he was in the cult, right? So there was, you know, there was an orthodoxy there. Yeah. And it's and, a and scary or- orthodoxy, but yeah, that's, he didn't, he didn't know any different. Yeah. So. And when he got out of that group... It's very difficult. It's like leaving a cult. Right. Right. And yeah, he was kind of disowned, reorient. right? Didn't yeah, everyone disowned? Yeah. Disowned. Yeah. And you have to reorient and create a new model of the world and create new social contexts and just sort of rebuild one's sort of like rebuilding oneself. And uh, I say t- to Derek, you know, hats off to you. Um, that was quite a journey, and I, you know, I appreciate him sharing that. Uh, I, I for one, learned a lot, and I think Eli Sasla did a great job in presenting the information. And a lot of the people, you know, he, pre- he presented these people as very human. Um, I find that uh, white supremacy, white nationalism, I, I'm repulsed by it. You know, I'm a Jew, so I'm like, these people would hate me. Maybe they'd want to kill me. Who knows what they'd want to do? Yep. Um, and I'm reading books right now about Nazi Germany, so these people are carrying Nazi flags and stuff like that, or some of them are. Um, I'm absolutely repulsed. But these people are also human, and um, they have a human side to them, and I appreciated Eli's humanizing Right, a, a lot of these people, yep. they have emotions too, and they got to be the way they are because blah blah blah, because their parents did this, and you know maybe they had a bad experience. Um, yep, uh, with with blacks or with Hispanics or with Jews or probably not. Maybe they didn't. Um, I, for one, uh, started. Uh, uh, I had a hiatus in college and decided to go back to school. Uh, out in northern Colorado 
at uh, CSU, and I I left that school. There's too many white people, so <laughs> I you know I, <laughs> I needed more diversity. I'm used to you know I need. Uh, of course, I'm in Vermont, so that's very confusing. But um, <laughs> we, we all have our contradictions, Mr. Maring. We do, we do. Chapter three. So, switching gears, uh, do you recall in Rising Out of Hatred uh, that Derek Black sings a tune at his, what is it, like a talent show at his at his college? And, and he sings it in w- with... He interprets the song in one way, and other people hear it, and they they say, "No, no, no!" And they they were not pleased with necessarily with his singing it, you know. And um, and I think the tune the tune is a tune by um, by Mason Jennings, okay. uh, called Adrian. Right, incredible. Tune. Yeah, and I actually didn't know the tune, and uh, uh, I'm going to sing it for you. Beautiful. Um, I haven't. I, I I hope I I hope I got I hope I got this down, but you know. Um, so, uh, a deep tune, so check it out. Looking down from the apple tree, my hands tied in back of me. With this rope below my chin, we don't fear death, my Adrian. Trust me, son, that one day soon You'll be on the bottom where the boat breaks through To let our freedom in again We don't fear death, my Adrian From now on I am part of you story that you tell that my life empower you let my troubles teach you well let your burning hatred go learn yourself until you know that fear is where all hatred Fear death, my Adrian From now on I am part of you I'm the story that you'll tell Let my life empower you Let my troubles teach you well as they said, my last breath free Turn your eyes, but don't fail to see The love you feel inside your skin We don't fear death, my Adrian We don't fear death, my Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's ironic um, from a certain interpretation that Derek was singing this because he was so steeped 
at a certain point in his life in hatred. And here he's right. singing a song about letting your hatred or letting hatred go, dropping it. Yeah. Yep. 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 And he even, I think he was still in the, you know, in the throes of his white supremacy when he sang this tune. And, uh, you know, the, 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 he, People were a bit up in arms that he sang it, that he interpreted. He thought it was from a different era, uh, or like the song was referencing a different era. And I believe that it's inspired by events in, in Toni Morrison's uh, Beloved. Uh, and uh, so, it, it, you know, but nonetheless, no matter what, the tune is, uh, you know, I'm glad, I'm, I'm grateful to have found that tune. It's, uh, that I, I'm, 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 grateful you found it as well i think yeah. the line for me that stood out the most was fear to or fear into hatred it's it's, yeah. it's deeply psychological in that that's where hatred comes from is a place of fear a place of unknowing and right. um of being afraid of that which you don't know and i wonder maybe i'm overreaching here but i wonder if at that point on some subconscious level, he was feeling the power of that story because it, as a foreshadowing of what would happen to him later on in his experience at that college. Chapter four. Uh, so, uh, Mark, I have to ask you about your book. You're just putting this book out, man. It's incredible. You just put out this this uh, graphic. I keep. I'm not sure exactly. I want to say graphic. It's not a novel. It's not a novella. It's a graphic story. It's um, a graphic book. A graphic book. But there's it's a, a nonfiction. It's a free PDF graphic nonfiction book. Okay, but I get to talk. That this book is. I love your book, Tio Mark. I love it. I'm really. I really. Uh, you sent me a little bit of an advanced part of it, and I read it, and I was. I've. I've. I was blown away, and I told you I thought it was incredible, and everybody who's read it has said this is fantastic, and I think it's really neat about it is that kids have read it. And a friend of mine, Eric, said, oh, yeah, I had my daughter read it. And then I said, oh, that's, yeah, I, my son, I, my young son, my 11-year-old son, I read it with him, and uh, w it was interesting. I didn't anticipate that. It's a book, actually, that not just for us adults, but for younger people to read as well. And um, I, I want you to talk about it, but I do want to, I just, I think, uh, I, I, just from my point of view as a reader, I thought it was really, it's very interesting what you connected, you're, 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 because you brought yourself into the book, and it's really about your experience um, mm. in a cult, and um, it's very honest, and I, you know, I love, I appreciate honesty, the book was very honest. And it's you've I've heard the stories of this many times, and I've always value them. And you're definitely the only person I know who's been in a cult and gotten out of it. But you kind of make that also clear that that's not totally true. That there's cults all around us, and uh, cults of thought. And um, so you brilliantly connect your cult experience with um, 
what's going on today. And uh, mm. so, and I really think it's a piece of, it's really a, a something, f- I, I, I hope lots of people get to read. Uh, I actually did, uh, did we say the name? Ramatrama Trump. Um, and uh, obviously providing a link for that, but worth, it's free to read and, and look at because it is graphic, it is graphic, you know, uh, and, uh, and very, the, 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 um, Marcy, I believe is her name, who did the graphics, did a wonderful yes. job. And uh, it's really, um, yeah. So anyway, anything you want to say about the read? I could, I can interview you, Mark, but we can just chat about it because I just think... Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think... Uh, anyways, congrats on the book, dude. It was really, really, really well done. And uh, it's a, it's amazing with these graphic... Uh, I think we, we've both read um, some other graph, shared graphic novel experiences, right? And like Mouse, we both read Mouse. Mm. And I'm amazed what can be said in a graphic uh, b- book. Even in a short... You know, this one is, what, 35 pages or so? 32. Right, 32 pages. A lot can be said in a sh- with a few words and powerful ideas. So, well, no, thank you for that. Uh, I would start by thanking you because writing this book in this way uh, was your idea. Um, and I thought about it and I said, hmm, sounds like you're asking me to write a comic book. Um, and it's very powerful. I'm thrilled that I did it. Uh, so, I, you know, I thank you and I appreciate you sending me Mouse, M A U S. A graphic novel um, about uh, right. Is it a novel? The it's a true story. Yeah, it's a true yeah. story. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, Mouse is kind of the. You know, if there's a graphic novel, you're gonna. I don't know what we call it. Is that a novel? I guess, or it's it's because it's a true story. Graphi- but it, graphic right. story. Um, but it's that's that that's definitely the benchmark. I mean, that's an incredible, 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 book. right? And so 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 powerful. It really inspired me. I'd also like to uh, thank and take. My hat off to Marcy Vallette, the illustrator, the artist yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. who I collaborated with, because I think, I think if the book works, and I'm thrilled to hear your feedback, um, it works because of Marcy's amazing illustrations, mm. um, and also she took my story and interpreted it, and gave it a new sort of framework and. Uh, I think what she did was absolutely brilliant. I think it's a bit dark. Well, my story is a bit dark. There's humor in it. Right. Um, there's humor to my story. She added lots of dimensions that were always there, but she perceived them. Um, I didn't have to tell her a lot of stuff. I mean, I shared with her a script, and that shifted over time. Uh, it was just an amazing collaboration. I'm really grateful that uh, she took time to do this. Um, I feel really fortunate to work with her. It's a great collaboration. Um, very, yeah, very, I very think, evident. Yeah, yeah. I just think uh, there's a genius there on on her side. Can so, I? Uh, please. I just want to ask you, like, so what? What's your? You obviously there's a timing to putting this book out right now, and what is your? What's your hope with putting it out right now? Right. So there's a little bit short of three months left before the presidential and uh, also for Senate and and Congress elections. Um, My hope is to reach as many people as I possibly can, particularly people in swing states, um, and have them read it. 
the book is, as you point out, is entirely free. It's a download. One goes to www.ramatramatrump.com, R-A-M-A-T-R-A-U-M-A, Trump, T-R-U-M-P, dot com. It's all free. Share it with your friends. I don't want any money from it. Um, but I, I think maybe the target audience is... 18-year-olds through 36-year-olds, but that's not really true because a lot of um, people outside that age group really enjoyed it, including a lot of younger people and a lot of older people. But the book is a uh, an attempt to encourage people to vote. It's sort of showing uh, our current president of the United States as a kind of cult leader. He's not really a cult leader, but he shares a lot of characteristics with destructive cult leaders, and the book points that out. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that, to have a a mental map as to um, what, what the playbook is for destructive cult leaders and how that relates to the current executive branch, uh, particularly if we want this democracy to last. So I see my book as, as one voice out of many to push back against a rising tide of fascism in the United States. And I'm not usually someone who would say anything like that. I'm not usually a conspiracy person or someone who's saying the sky is falling. I feel our democracy right now is in danger. So uh, I am going to reach out to as many people as I possibly can uh, to warn people, and it's to me, this is not Democrat versus Republican at all. This is about rule of law. It's about checks and balances. And uh, I feel it's an important book. That's why you know I'm giving it away for free. Uh, if there's a large organization out there who would like to use it for fundraising, you know the. DNC or Move On or uh, Project Lincoln, you know, Republicans for common sense, they can use my book for fundraising. Let them keep the money. Right. Well, congrats on the uh, on the book. I hope you're going to do more of these. I think you've yeah. really hit, you've hit your stride as an author. So... Diverging once again, there was something called Mr. Peach. Chapter 5. And Mr. Peach on the beach was an idea that came out hmm, about a thousand years ago. But it involved basically um, being in a space with a person. Or it could be a a duck or a, I don't know, Not a chicken. No. But with that other person, you basically um, espouse any thought or idea or sound at the other person, and they feed it back to you, and there's no wrong sound or word that can come out Mm. of your mouth. It's really interesting. No, No, that's not how it works. No, 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 it is, yes. Let me me explain. By explain, what do you mean? Well, the way Mr. Peach works... Yeah, is because there's an intricate network that is the pits, <laughs> and it's just, cancel wrong cancel nope. nope no 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 you cannot say that 
actually. I I, I feel like you're did you hoping. Hear, did you hear what? <laughs> peach fuzz. And I don't, I don't think that's fair. Did I'm you trying hear, to did explain you something. Said about peaches <laughs> and the pits. Oh boy. Mark. Wait wait wait. Is that the one who got one hundred fifty thousand dollars? He paid her for her <laughs> her pits. That, what? No. That was Mrs. Peach on the beach. You know what Mrs. Peach loves to do? She loves to preach about all the things that you could never teach. And it gets a little fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, and, 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 uh, so, and God forbid, but, you know, you say did, something. Did you get a college degree, by the way? I did, and I got it in the... Did you uh, share any of these thoughts with your professors? <laughs> Because I got a college degree, and when I shared these very similar thoughts yes. at a prestigious university in Southern California, um, I got into quite a bit of a of of a of a, a tizzy. It, it was it was a bit of a it was just a bit of a tizzy. It things things were not smooth. They let's just call them. <laughs> Continue. No, no, wait, wait, wait. You're triggering something in me. That's what the professors used to do to me. I would, no, don't do that to me. That's not fair. I would say, Dr. Whatever. It turns out they were my doctors as a professor. It was really kind of weird. Did you but have a I would explain. Thethoscope. And if you ever. No, no, don't do that. No, no, no. That's not fair. Because I would say, I would say, doctor. Yes. Or whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. And and I would start explaining to the Mr. Peach story and the whole narrative of Momo. Moo. And they would go, that thing you just did, I can't do it. No, 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 don't. No, no, no. It's triggering for me. I, I'm going to cancel you Peachy. if you do that. Peachy. No, no, no. It was juicy. The whole thing was really juicy. What did do- the doctor say? But what did the doctor say? He did that same. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Eric, listen. Could I ask you a favor? Um, does it involve sangria? No, I just asked. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not. Listen. I'm not asking you if I can ask you a favor to then ask you a favor. I already asked. You. Listen, you're not being honest because you're you're seeking the truth, but you're missing the honesty. Define because honesty. I'm over here. Define honesty. It has to do with one. Wow! I got a cat right here. Hello, pretty god. No, seriously, you want to see my cat? <laughs> It's something I could say right now. I'm not going to say it, so don't you worry. <laughs> I know that you know that I'm thinking that you know that you that know that I know. Nudge, I nudge, know. wink, wink. Know what Whoa. I? Oh, and and here's the tail right here. <laughs> can you see the tail? You see? Meow. You see that? I do. <laughs> Is that your tail, or are you just? I'm just this? glad to see me. Yeah, I know. Um, so let me tell you a story. Oh, geez, I forget what it was. No, no. Yes? No, no, no. When we were, remember, your family and my family were in 
Darjeeling. And there was Miles Plantations of Ripening Tea. tea. Oh, sorry. So when we were there, do you remember? Look, I like the corn. You like the the other things. (laughs) Do you remember what it was? Mm. Exactly. It begins with a mmm. What was it? Do you remember? Momo? Momo. 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 So the weird thing is Mr. Peach and Momo get together regularly. Hmm. Do they pick each other's noses or is it a dipping kind of thing? Like dipping? It's more dip. It's more dip. Not picking. Dipping. Dip and trunk. Dip and trunk. (laughs) Dip and trunk. (laughs) They do it with trees. I don't understand (laughs) it. I used to show up in College Park and I would go from house to house looking for Mr. Peach. Knock, knock. Who's there? Mr. Peach. He's at the beach. He's on the beach. He's with the Sneech. Wasn't that the book, The Sneeches? With the stars on their bellies? Each each of them got a Sneech. Do you know the Sneeches with the stars in their bellies? The bellies of the R. Yeah. Each had a star. It, it was like the in-group versus the out-group. Correct. Correct. And, Correct. And I think there are those people in society. I got to learn how this thing works. I guess I talk here. Hello. You talk into it. You go Mr. like, Peach? meow, meow. Exactly. Meow. 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 Um, I feel like the people who know or are in the know about Mr. Peach, it's as if they have stars on the R's. Mm. Stars on the R's? Thars yeah, the R's? Yeah. Stars on the R's. <laughs> um, and it shifts every so often, and all the switching is done by Mr. Momo, by Momo, when he does that thing. I, I don't like it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And whenever it switches, then everybody has to go, Mr. Peach, never heard of him. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> ah, ah, Mr. Peach, Mr. Peach. I have a final thought, because you actually, you were going to say something about the doctor and language. I have a thought on language, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts to finish on language. Here's my thought on language. When my son was mm, one, maybe one and a half or so, this is Julian, and when he would see a truck or anything with wheels, he would he, he would say this, bib. He'd put his tongue in between his his two lips and he'd say bib. So anything that rolled, <laughs> anything that Bibbe. rolled like a truck was bib. And I asked a linguist friend about that. I thought that was really interesting. He said, yeah, when we're younger, we explore like, you know, hundreds, if not more, sounds. And then our language cult basically shoves us into a certain number of sounds that we can make in order to symbolize thought. And so that sound, b, is not a sound we make in English. You don't make that. You know, and there's all these different sounds that we use to symbolize thought, but that's not one of them. 
but young children explore the whole realm, you know, and um, so anyways, we've used the symbols that we've taught, we've been taught are the ones we can encapsulate as much thought as we can into these words, and that's what we've done here, uh, taking each other, and hopefully uh, those that are listening for a ride. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I would agree with what you said up to the point where you said, hey, Mark. <laughs> Uh, all that to say, <laughs> doctor, is that I feel like you've just canceled me. In other words, you're saying that I'm tr- just being honest, right? I'm the truth, but yes. this is honest, Please. right? You see? <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, Mr. Peach, because that thing bothers me. What I'm trying to say in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I say in all seriousness, or I could say in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I disagree in that I don't follow any of those rules. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I get it, Eric. You're sort of describing the norm, the typical, if you want to, you know, get into Brandeis or something and, and have a, you know, kind of normal life. Actually, the people I know who went to Brandeis, none of them had normal lives. But that's okay. They're great people. Um, I don't think any of them know about Momo. I don't know about the stars on Lars. But, you know, okay, we just switched it. Anyway, but the point is, I don't agree with that we don't, in English, use those sounds. I use them all the time. That's probably why I have to live up in Vermont and have very few friends. <laughs> so anyway, I'm trying to make a point. I don't know what it is. And cancel. I feel We're going to get canceled. No, I'm going to get canceled. This is our first show. So I'm just I just want to share with you this one thought. Please. <laughs> I'm taking it in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just can't get there. But but at some point, listen, if we have several of these, uh, what do you call them, podcasts, take me for a ride, maybe if if people tune in each, each week or each month or each year, however often we do this, maybe they'll get that one thought that I want to share with you. It's not going to be this week. Ah, oh, so we have because, to stay tuned? <laughs> right. But in the meantime, if you don't mind, if yeah. you don't mind me explaining experimenting doing this thought experiment like it, 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 there's a word for it. it's like a verb it's bill marring <laughs> take me for a ride it's when you say take me for a ride it's the same thing as saying i'm gonna now go bill marring <laughs> um it's very very similar it's almost like taking donald trump to indonesia bagusekali um uh, that could allow it. Um, anyway, I guess my point is this: I will continue, whatever age I am supposed to be, to and do different sounds and shapes and explore different, maybe politically correct, maybe politically incorrect, maybe expedient, maybe not so smart ideas and and thoughts and. I could do these things. You don't have to um, because you have friends and you need to keep your, your group of friends. But I'll do those things 
And then you could always point to me as like a, an experiment. Did you get it? What? Oh, oh you didn't no. hear? Oh, uh, no, just, no. I just shared just, something. You just missed it. I'll try again. Wow. How did you do that? A lot of practice. Wow. It's kind of like the quickest draw in the West. Do you know the quickest draw in the rest? Rest, West? The, the quick, <laughs> quickest draw <laughs> in the West. Quick draw McGraw. Quick draw McGraw. Ready? He, sh- yeah. he, share- he shares really deep stuff and blows your mind. You ready? Yeah. Did you get it? Oh. Uh, you missed it. Sorry, it's too late. Oh. Hey, I'll no, see no, you. No, 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 no. What? Wait, wait, no, no. I, I can't wait for the next one. Maybe I'll see it. Is that like that green flash that, that happens right when the sun goes down and the earth goes up and the moon goes left and right? And then it goes... Powie. Hello? Hello? Are you still there? Good night. Isn't that what Monty Python said in the Holy Grail? Good night? <laughs>